The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half, the podcast where we bring you coverage of the parts of the magazine we didn't have time to cover in the main show. We're ready to jump into mini-episode 36.5, so Michael, take it away. Hi, I'm Michael, and this is the Wave Riders Wayback Machine. So here we are in August of 1994, and there are quite a few movies. For me, most importantly, is Blank Man, which premiered on August 19th. We also have Natural Born Killers, which came out on August 26th. Camp Nowhere came out on August 26th also. A great John Candy movie, Wagons East came out on August 26th, and It's Pat the Movie came out on August 26th. What a weird, weird week. That's a lot of movies in one day. It's Pat was a a skit from Saturday Night Live that became a movie that was not a successful movie. And we also have the Bruce Willis thriller, I guess you would call it, Color of Night, that came out on August 19th. Another fantastic movie called Airheads, which, if you haven't seen Airheads, go see it that came out on august 5th super fun movie hilarious it's like brendan frazier adam sandler and uh steve buscemi at some of their best it's so fun such a great movie great ensemble cast you also have the little rascals movie came out on august 5th and to cap off august probably the biggest movie of that month is the harrison ford classic clear and present danger it is a jack ryan movie it's probably the biggest one of his that and patriot games it was a big big movie for him so it was really cool that's a huge month august is a really bizarre one usually you don't get this many big big hits in august in the summer blockbusters it's pretty wild now on to music and there was a lot of music that came out at this time first up we have one of my favorite albums and it's sad the band didn't really make it, is Oasis, Definitely Maybe. Great, great album. Came out on August 30th. We also have Prince's album, Come, which came out on August 16th. We've got Boys to Men 2 that also came out on August 30th. We've got at least the single for for Green Day's massive hit, Basket Case, came out in August, which is, I guess, yeah, the album came out later. But also rage against the machine freedom came out august 23rd there's a lot of music that came out usher's debut like self-titled album usher came out and notorious big's juicy came out what a tremendous month wow corn's blind came out august 1st you're talking there's so many songs and albums uh sponge if you haven't heard of the band sponge check out this album rotting pinata oh man fantastic album bare naked ladies 
Maybe You Should Drive, another great album. Holy cow. Rusted Roots, When I Woke. Cindy Lauper had a big album that came out, 12 Deadly Sins and Then Some. This was a big album for her, I remember. Tori Amos's Spark album, which is actually a pretty good album. I, I liked it years and years later, but it's a pretty cool, decent album. And Public Enemy came out with Muse Sick and Our Mess Age. I don't know the title of this album, but I do remember this album cover. And that is the Wave Riders Wayback Machine for August of 1994. Back to Adam. Thanks, Michael. And now it's time for the Top 10 Comics of July 1994. Well, if you could believe it, Profit is no longer number one, but another Extreme Studios title that you would never expect has hit the number one spot. That is Supreme number 12. And Wizard says, Supreme number 12? Yes, Supreme number 12 is the Caliente comic this month, and not because of the death of a major character, or the introduction of a new one, or even because of a major plot revelation or crossover. This book is hot as a pistol in Drew Barrymore's holster because of the cover artist, Stephen Platt. You fans just can't seem to get enough of this guy. Yes, once again, those wacky Extreme Studios guys gave fans an additional glimpse of Mr. Platt's art, and again, they caused an immediate sellout on the stands. Maybe this will give more fans a chance to check out what's going on in inside the book as well. Supreme is one of the better titles put out by Extreme Studios. It's pretty underrated. Alright, so what's up next here? Number two is just as surprising. It is Deathblow number 5A, and it says here, another one of those alternate cover books from those folks at Image, this time via the Wildstorm contingent. This is one of the three alternate cover books to crack the top ten this month. We're sitting here at the Wizard Top Ten headquarters, reading comics, eating Twinkies, watching Sidney Crawford workout videos, playing Mortal Kombat 2, and wondering if this is the start of a trend. Will every publisher looking to call attention to its titles release additional covers? This cover was shipped to retailers to the tune of one for every four copies. That's 25% for you non-math types, with the alternate cover featuring artwork by Will Sportacio as a sort of an introduction for new readers to his impressive style of work. Yeah, so these alternate covers by guest artists, that's kind of crazy. Okay, and here we go. Number three, another one of those alternate cover books from those folks at Image, this time via the Wildstorm Contingent. This is one of the three alternate cover books to crack the top ten this month. What the... They literally, wait a minute. Okay, so this, they just copy and pasted the same thing. The cover was shipped to retailers to the, uh, you know, I just got the strangest feeling of deja vu. Anyway, this was shipped to the retailers to the tune of One Forever Far Cop. So I don't know what's going on here, but it says here that the artist was Brett Booth and it's Kindred number 3A. Yeah, so, you know, you got Grifter, you got... Whiplash? What's his name? Uh, Backlash. Yeah, Backlash on the cover here. They copied and pasted and then dropped in that one thing about Deja Vu. You jokesters over at Wizard. Okay, so I will finish the number 
four spot here. That's right, boys and girls. Image gave us a nice big payoff, and we decided to rename this section the Image Top 10 Comics. Gen 13 number one, the first non-guest cover book to crack the top 10 this month, is harder to find than good looks on Whoopi Goldberg. Ooh. Despite because of, possibly, an advertising campaign that hit months before the actual book did, retailers came down with amnesia and forgot to order healthy quantities of the title. However, the comics buying public didn't forget about this title and turned out in droves to obtain copies. This caused an immediate sellout as well as immediate secondary market activity, putting this miniseries as a whole into a sales orbit that it doesn't appear it will come out of anytime soon. So yeah, there you go. There are your top four image books, three of them alternate covers. If you're curious about the rest of the list, in the number five spot, we have Lady Death number one. In the number six spot, now is the Prophet Foray. It's old news. And number seven is She number one. Number eight is Vengeance of Vampirella number one. Number nine is Gen 13 number two. And number 10 is Marvel's number two. So there you go. The top 10 comics of July 1994. All right, well, now it's my turn to bring you some fun with this edition of Robin's Reading Rainbow. So this edition of Robin's Reading Rainbow has been two years in the making, or at least 21 issues. Yes, Wetworks by Will Sportacio had the cover of Wizard 15 in anticipation of its release, and then never came out. Let's hear Wizard tell the tale as they announce the arrival of issue number one in their Picks from the Wizard's Hat section. As most of you dedicated Wizard readers know, Wetworks was originally set to premiere in October 1992 as the last of the original seven image titles. Due to some unfortunate and unforeseen circumstances in the life of series artist and creator Will Sportacio, Wetworks was put on indefinite hiatus. Until now. Wetworks is the remains of Team 7, the covert government squad that counted Deathblow, Grifter, Backlash, and Dane among its members. The name Wetworks comes from the term for a killing done in close quarters that wets the killer with his victim's blood. Needless to say, those of you readers out there who are adverse to violence may want to shy away from this one and stick to your daily regimen of Barbie fashion and Archie's pals and gals. So they go ahead and give a description of what I am about to discuss. So let me get into it now. I have to admit, all I ever knew about Wetworks came from the golden McFarlane action figures that I saw on the pegs in Target and Toys R Us stores as a kid. I went into these first three issues totally blind. I didn't even read this description until just right now to keep myself in suspense, and what I found caught me totally by surprise. So issue number one finds a military team en route to a secret mission that none of them know the details of, though they suspect it's Wetwork. Huh? Hence the title. The team consists of the commander, Dane, a roided-out grunt named Clay, a bandana-wearing beefcake named Mendoza, aka Dozer, a mouthy jokester aptly named Jester, a long-haired pretty boy named Grail, and a tough-talking female operative named Pilgrim. According to a Wetworks preview mini-comic I have that came packed into an issue of Hero Illustrated, they are collectively known as Team 8. And in this booklet, each member of the unit gets a psyche profile, except for Pilgrim, who is listed as classified and without a photo, which is very intriguing. 
But back to the mission at hand, did I mention that they are about to drop down in Transylvania? Yeah, that made my jaw hit the floor, because I was expecting generic, grim, macho, military action like Deathblow from Jim Lee, not vampires. So Portacio immediately had my attention with this, and I want to also bring up the fact that I normally am confused when a team has more than five characters, especially when military uniforms are in play, but Brandon Choi's writing makes every member distinct, and Portacio has differentiated enough in the character designs that I can mostly keep track as I'm thrown into their world. Now, returning to the story, we get a kind of confusing single-panel reveal of a woman with a fully robotic arm who doesn't seem to be part of this unit, more on her later, but we find the team then exploring tunnels, discovering nothing but corpses and blood-spattered walls until they enter a room with globs of golden goo being held in giant glass tubes. A pale white woman hiding in the vents shoots one of the tubes, and Clay is doused with the stuff, becoming a living, shimmering golden idol. Kind of like the Molten Man from Spider-Man comics. Just then, the crew were attacked by unknown assailants, and Clay's skin proves to be bulletproof. The attackers are taken down, but only after their heads are separated from their bodies. So the team starts to suspect that something is up here. Uh, seeing Clay's new enhanced abilities, the rest of the team decides to get golden as well, and we get a cool double splash page reveal of their new forms as they take out another group of subterranean attackers. They blow up the whole compound and emerge through the flames together in naked golden bodies, swearing revenge on Craven, the government higher-up who sent them in on this suicide mission. At this point, the woman with the robotic arm shows up in a helicopter with the same golden sheen, introducing herself as Mother One and invites the crew to join her in meeting with the leader of her group who will tell them the truth about what just happened, and they comply. For now. So basically, Wetworks boils down to vampires versus big guns. For some reason, I am still on board. It's much more Predator than Commando, which I definitely prefer. The storytelling has strong visuals and the characters, as I said, are clearly defined, which is more than I could say for nearly every image launch title, at least the ones with teams, and this was intended to be one of those. And so, issue two opens with the team training with live rounds in a danger room type setup and being monitored by a defense contractor named Armand Waring, the boss of Mother One, who is trying to win the team over to his cause in destroying the warring vampires. They are collectively known as the Night Tribes. We next learn more about the various factions of vampires. Most important is the Blood Queen, who sent her cousin to release these golden symbiotes. She was the woman in the vents. And apparently they were also created by the vampires. So this was like all part of some master plan the Blood Queen has. We see John Lynch from Gen 13, those of you who know what that book is and other Jim Lee image titles, trying to get info on the whereabouts of Dane and his team through the black box on their helicopter. And then there is another group of what I thought were werewolves, but I think they are just another breed of vampire attacking a military convoy. They're trying to get a biological weapon. So Mother One reveals to the team that apparently this is going to be released at the biggest rock concert of the year. An interesting twist is added at the very end of this issue as we see Dane having a nightmare of a vampire woman who is attempting to bite him and seemingly has control of the symbiote, causing it to retreat and expose his naked skin beneath. And I thought this was a very cool reveal. It could have been very easily just been like, you know, skilled military team blowing away monsters. But now there seems to be this, you know, mysterious 
personal connection. So finally, in issue three, we open up at a rock concert for the half-vampire rock star Johnny Savoy, where a rival vampire clan that wants to rule is planning to not only release the biological weapon that will infect the crowd and spread rapidly, killing all humans, but murder Savoy so that he's not an heir to the vampire throne, I guess? So with Mother One coordinating, the Wetworks team infiltrates the concert and takes out the vampires, but not before they find out that Dane's dream about vampires being able to telepathically control the symbiotes was true. Pilgrim then gets attacked from her sniper position, but is rescued by a mysterious good vampire ally who identifies himself as Wilder, then takes off. Also, uh, one thing should be mentioned about uh, issue three is the cover announces Grail Transformed, which is referring to the fact that he somehow gets a power-up and he imbues these rods with glowing energy that he uses to destroy one of the fanged foes. Also, Dane himself gets gets a power-up, and that he can go all scanners on vampires, you know, who say that he must be, quote, the one, before hemorrhaging internally and dying. The last bit of fun also they add into this issue is that all throughout there's been this news reporter and a cameraman covering the carnage, but when they go to review the tapes, the vampires are invisible, so basically their story is useless. It's a good little joke on the end there. So yeah, what works to me was a fun ride, you know, with enough variety in the ways they added to the mythos. They built it up steadily, so much so that I could follow along. It helps that the main characters are discovering this new world along with the readers, whereas something like Youngblood drops you in the middle of this universe with so many super beings and way too much continuity, and they never really successfully catch you up on it. So to me, Wetworks has very strong storytelling, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised because Brandon Choi, who also writes one of my favorite books, Gen 13, is at the helm. So would I buy more issues of Wetworks? I think so. I mean, just to see Dane confront the Blood Queen, plus understand like the further evolution of the team's powers as they each seem to be getting upgrades along the way. So I found this to be a very enjoyable read, you know, and there are select image titles I like, but most of the ones from the founders haven't grabbed me. But this one seems like it definitely was worth the wait. So way to go, Will Sportacio. Way to go, Brandon. Brandon Choi, and uh, hey, and now, let's get to some fun. Hey there, gift-giving geeks. We're just taking a break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Fun.com. You know, Michael, Steven, and I buy each other presents all the time, and we're always looking for the most obscure and nerdy items to impress each other. Speaking for personal experience, Fun.com is a fantastic source for officially licensed pop culture clothing, toys from the likes of DC and Marvel, how about Ghostbusters or the Batman movies, plus exclusive items you just won't find anywhere else. There's actually a killer Venom t-shirt in an Eric Larson style available only at Fun.com. It's super cool. And check this out. Just for being a listener to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics on the Retro Network, you can get 10% off your next order from Fun.com through August 7th, 2021. The 10% will automatically be subtracted from your shopping cart total there on the site. Just click the link found in the show notes for this episode and the discount will be automatically applied. I've done it. I bought my daughter a Wonder Woman t-shirt, a Star Wars themed storybook for my son, and uh, maybe a few items for myself as well. So treat yourself or your geeky friends and family to the gift of fun from fun.com. Oh yeah, it's time for Hunk and Babe of the Month. I'm too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for my 
month's babe is well babe whoa john byrne knew what he was talking about when he dubbed this titillating tomato babe look at those legs those eyes those well you can see for yourself that this lady is first rate it's a shame that danger unlimited burns first made for legend title was cancelled but the premiere of babe certainly softens the blow so what's it about well an ancient name ralph rowan po'd after not making any deals at a hollywood party goes ripping down a highway and almost hits a butt naked babe i gotta get the name of that highway after rescuing her from a scummy hollywood type ralph starts her on the path to stardom but when these gruesome looking aliens show up and well Babe number one's on sale now. Check it out for yourself. She alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who were here on the last mini episode, I went through the full Babe miniseries, and it's only fitting, yes, that she should show up. It's actually interesting. They pulled a panel or some sort of image that John Byrne did, but it looks like they modified it because she's holding a book, but the book says Wizard on it. So I don't think John Byrne wrote Wizard into the Babe miniseries, as I recall. But it's interesting. They actually provide commentary on their own sexist remarks here with babe saying john byrne knew what he was talking about when he dubbed this titillating tomato babe titillating tomato and then ralph over here er it's great exposure babe trust me so yeah that's kind of funny that they uh <laughs> they knew that maybe they weren't being as pc as they could have been but now let's check out our hunk of the month it's eclipso I never really thought of an embodiment of the wrath of God as a hunk before, but hey, check out how buff this purple dude is. And just how does he get his teeth so pepsident white? That's not a question meant for mere mortals, so we'll stick to why babes dig him. First off, is he tough? You betcha. He beat Moses two times out of three in thumb wrestling. Second, does he know how to have fun? Hell yeah. He built a sprawling gazebo on the moon, possessed a whole bunch of superheroes, and proceeded to beat the tar out of the DC universe. Are there any drawbacks? Other than the fact that he was recently wiped out of existence by the Spectre? No. This guy's a 10. Yeah, this is kind of a, a weird image that they pulled here, because of, of all the characters, you would not think of Eclipso as the hunk, but he's like this ripped purple body, and he's basically naked, but his hood seems to have some very long fabric hanging off the back of it, and it's just kind of swirling around his naughty parts, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, I guess he is ripped underneath his outfit there, but yeah, th that was an interesting choice definitely because uh with so many other choices why eclipso would be the one so there you have it all you sexy people now back to you michael so in Kennedy's corner, I'm reading a handful of different things. I'm really trying to work my way through Zero Hour, which we're doing a bonus episode very, very shortly. I'm also reading some cool stuff. I just ordered a book on Amazon, Injustice Gods Among Us, Volume 3, because it has the debut of Superman and Lois Lane's daughter, which is rumored to be the character that, that Sasha Kali is playing in the new Flash movie. And I'm really interested in reading this story. So as soon as I get it and I read it, I'm going to give everybody feedback on it. I'm really pumped because if the images I saw online in relation to the characterization and images I saw online of the 
book match the movie, I'm going to be thrilled because it looks spot on to the comic, which was really, really cool. And that's really what I'm reading right now in Kennedy's Corner. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out in DC. There's a really in- interesting book that came out today called Infinite Frontier, and it's got a lot of different multiverse versions of heroes together, and I'm really pumped to check that out in the shop. And that's it. That's really, that's it for the Kennedy's Corner right now. There's a handful of books that I have in my stockpile that I haven't read yet, but I'll have more to report next time. Back to Adam. Hey guys, now it's time to get into all the contests in this issue. I really dig checking these out because it was such a big part of the experience of opening up an issue of Wizard to be like, what can you win this month? I rarely entered, and yet it's so cool to see what was available to win. So this first one is a contest, spelled with a K, because yes, Wizard is giving away another Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet, but this time it's Mortal Kombat 2. So let's hear what they say. Prepare yourself. Scorpion, Liu Kang, Sub-Zero, Baraka, and all the combatants from Midway's Mortal Kombat 2 stand ready to serve you, but only if fortune smiles upon you and grants you victory. In this contest, there may be only one winner. Yep, so they get to the grand prize winner here. The top combatant in this contest will win a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade game, rip off arms, punch through chests, do whatever comes naturally, all in the comfort of your own home. Then they go, second prize. Sorry, just as in MK2, there could only be one winner. Everyone else gets dropped into the pit. So basically all you have to do is fill out a coupon also spelled with a K, but the thing they ask for at the bottom is your favorite MK2 character. We just want to know. So it's not even part of the process. It's literally just, hey, you want to do this now? This is another thing. I'm looking back here. They are listing the winners of Issue 31's Kindred contest. And I don't think we started covering these back at Issue 31. But we'll have to keep an eye on this now that it will tell us where the winners are of these different contests. So one more thing that we skipped over mainly in our discussion with Steve Sadak was Zero Hour. We had a a light touch on that, but there is a Zero Hour giveaway in this issue, and they say here, we've decided to celebrate the impending destruction of the DC Universe, again, by giving one lucky fan the chance to win the coolest DC comics dealing with death, destruction, and the unraveling in the fabric of time. Sound neat? Here's what you can win. So it's literally like one winner grand prize is zero hour number four through zero and all the zero hour tie-ins including and then it just lists them all which is wild and then for some reason they also say and some other cheery books including batman 426 to 429 the death of robin 2 aka jason todd and then they have a whole bunch of other stuff like uh, superman the man of steel 17 to 19 which was death of superman green lantern number 48 through 50 green lantern goes nuts and murders his friends colleagues and enemies ah what fun But yeah, there's just so many listed here. You'll have to check them out on social media, but it's pretty interesting. So they say, so what do you have to do to enter this snazzy contest? Next to nothing. All you gotta do is fill out the official Zero Hour giveaway entry form below, moisten a stamp, however you want, and mail the whole thing off. So there you go. Let's see what the next one's about. Oh, wouldn't you know it. It's the Youngblood Sweepstakes. Wizard says, Yes, it's true. Rob Liefeld, after a lengthy hiatus, has returned to the world that made him famous, not to mention rich. 
comic book land. To help celebrate this momentous day, Rob, those fine folks over at Extreme Studios, and Wizard Press have put together quite an array of prizes, all up for grabs for the fans keen enough to enter and win this contest. So what do you gotta do? Well, get to that soon enough. Our first order of business is the loot. So the grand prize is a page of original framed art from Youngblood number 6, the issue that marks Rob's return to the series that started the Image Universe. Second prize is a set of authentic Extreme Studios apparel consisting of extreme leather jacket, jersey, hooded sweatshirt, baseball cap, and dog tag. Third prize, a set of all the standard release comics published by Extreme Studios from Youngblood number 1 to Youngblood number 6 and everything in between. Fourth prize, a set of all the standard release number 1 and 0 books published by Extreme Studios from Youngblood number 1 to New Men number 1 and everything in between. Fifth prize, a Youngblood number 1, the silent edition. The word balloonless limited edition printed on super high quality paper and signed by Rob Liefeld. Sixth prize is a Youngblood number 1, the silent edition and randomized prize. After all the contest winners have been chosen, all the winning names will go back in the bowl and one name will be chosen at random. The individual chosen wins in addition to prizes he or she has already won, the Youngblood bonus pack, which consists of Youngblood number 0 through 6, all signed by Rob Liefeld. Hot damn! Makes you want to get naked and run around, doesn't it? Don't do that, though. You'd probably get arrested or something. Anyways, the way to win the whole shebang is to look at these six panels from Youngblood number 0 through number 5 and figure out the exact issue in which, in which each panel originally appeared. Once you've nailed down all those issue numbers, fill out the official Youngblood sweepstakes entry form below, jam it in an envelope, slap a stamp on it, and mail the whole thing off. So yeah, there you go. If you were that deep into the world of Youngblood, and wow, there is a, a diehard character that has a gigantic beefy bicep that is way out of proportion to the rest of his body. That, that one's strange. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's par for the course. It's what you come to expect, right? But also here, again, they've listed the winner of the Sega CD contest that Michael talked about way back when. So yeah, they're just like randomly putting the results into these other contests. That's really interesting. All right, let's find out what's next. All right, you know, I'm actually surprised there is no Hellshock contest here. Instead, we get a Chaos Effect cleanup contest. Those zany folks over at Valiant, best known for their tight continuity and highly ordered universe, are plunging their cosmos into chaos. And while their heroes are busy dealing with the crisis, there's bound to be plenty of looting. With that in mind, Valiant and Wizard Press have teamed up to make sure everyone gets a fair shake at winning some of that loot. Here's what you can steal away with. Grand prize, a framed original page of Bob Layton art from the Chaos Effect Mega Adventure. Second prize, a Chaos Effect Bound Edition signed by Bob Layton. Third prize, an Exo Manamore number 28, The Death of Shanhara, that is his armor, signed by writer George Gonzalez. And fourth prize, a Secret Weapons number 11, the debut of the new Secret Weapons team, signed by writer Maurice Fontenot. I will tell you that uh, that Secret Wars number 11 had a cool gimmick where it was actually released inside like a manila top secret envelope type thing, so you actually couldn't see who was on the team until you bought the comic and opened it up. And fifth prize, 
Enterprise and Armarines number one, signed by writer George Gonzalez and artist Jim Calafiore. So, that's what you can win. Here's how you can win it. Answer the five Chaos Effect trivia questions below. Take the darkened letters, shuffle them around a bit, and try to decipher the Chaos Code. Come on, this is pretty simple. We used to run this type of contest all the time. So, this is interesting from the perspective of, remember how they told you, eh, you don't have to buy every book to get the whole story, but if you want to win some of these prizes, you gotta buy all the books. Here's the questions. Where are Archer and Armstrong stranded after Chaos Effect? One thing they did reveal in that article is that Archer and Armstrong had not been performing well, and they were canceling it after Chaos Effect. Number two, who took Solar the Destroyer's breastplate from the future to present-day Latek at the end of the Chaos Effect? Number three, who brought Archer, Armstrong, Jeff, Dr. Mirage, and Carmen to Ladakh? Number four, which member of the Hardcore is possessed by Toyo Harada? And finally, number five, where were the Psylords on their way to when their communications jammed? So I know one of our friends over there on Twitter who knows all about Valiant may be answering this for us, but otherwise, good luck to the rest of you. And finally here, you know, we had a Youngblood contest where you could win all of the Extreme Studios comics, essentially. We had the Zero Hour contest where you could win every tie-in plus a bunch of other comics. Uh, Image is trying to outdo all of them. This is Win the Image Universe contest. Thousands of comics, millions of dollars, years of reading. None of that has anything to do with this contest. It sure got your attention, though. And since you've read this far, you might as well finish. You see, in this here contest, one lucky comic fan will win the entire Image Universe. Read on, big guy. So the grand prize, one winner walks away with the entire Image Universe from Youngblood number one to Spawn Batman and every regularly released comic in between. That means you can win. So they basically list everything that was ever published by Image, and they say, and just for nostalgia's sake, we'll throw in Wetworks number one, too. So it's kind of interesting that you could win the entire Image catalog, which, you know, up until recently, we're on the cusp of the 30th anniversary of Image Comics. I'm sure a lot of these books are going to jump up in value, but, you know, over the last 20 years or so, most of these books could be found in quarter bins. So this is what they say. The only way to win all this neat stuff is to match the firearms pictured below with their respective owners. The characters may not carry the weapon as standard issue, but they carried them at one time or another. Just match the letter of the gun to the hero and boom, you're armed and ready. You have grunge, ballistic, battalion and vanguard and spawn so when you look at these it kind of makes you say to yourself okay do i know the artist's style enough to recognize how they draw a particular weapon you know so it's kind of interesting distinguishing that way and also uh here we go one more winner announced here a hearty congratulations to linda moore of huntington beach california Ooh, that was in my neck of the woods the grand prize winner of wizard number 33's catwoman contest as well as the 75 other winners. So the answer, we finally get the answer to how many cats were on the Catwoman cover. Yes, this was 54 kitties, 53 black cats, plus the cat on the bottle in the trash can. Now, here's the last weird thing I'll mention about this. So if you'll recall, we recently were talking about the Prophet cover and how Wizard claimed they didn't run that contest. Also in the big book of covers, they claimed they didn't run the Catwoman Counting Cats contest, which they obviously did and here they printed the winner so linda moore way to go yeah that's that's actually pretty cool she got an original piece of jim ballant art and uh that does it for the contest this time around 
pretty cool, huh? What do you have for us, Michael? All right, so here we are with our top 10 heroes and villains of the month. Now, what I will tell you is, again, we pretty much have the same grouping of all the characters we've had previously, except for two differences. In the number seven spot, you know, he's been ruling the top ten comics, but here he is now at number seven. It is John Prophet, yes. Wizard says, we've narrowed it down to three reasons why Prophet here could be so upset. First, he's bald and has a tube plugged into his head. Unless you're a Borg, that's not a happening thing. Second, he has no pupils, making it really tough for him to read books like Spawn, Batman, Archer and Armstrong, Secret Defense. Well, actually, that gift horse maxim comes to mind here. And finally, he's completely misproportioned. That's gotta stink. You can only buy clothes from Andre the Giant's widow, the nine-piece Chicken McNuggets isn't enough, and the 20-piece is too much, and the Yurtles are so darn low, I'd be upset too. Yeah, that's some rambling there. But also in the number 10 spot is Vampirella. What the? Vampirella? Vampirella made it into the top 10? Awesome! Aside from giving us a new character to write about, you try writing about Spawn for six months in a row. A pretty face like hers is always a welcome sight. Hot bad girls are newly popular in comics. If you don't believe me, check out back issues of Vampirella, Lady Death, She, Mucho Caliente. And Vampirella leads the pack, probably because her costume is smaller than all the other bad girls non-suits. Thanks to that and her new Vengeance of Vampirella series another scorching book Vampy looks set to remain a hot commodity for quite some time. So there you go. But I am always coming here for the Mort of the Month. And this time around we have the Composite Superman. Would you looky looky here. He's Superman. He's Batman. He's a floor wax. He's a dessert topping. He's the Composite Superman. Yes sir once again, we've reached into the pre-crisis DC pit and pulled out another bag of swill with legs. They're not quite as lousy as past morts. The composite Superman definitely deserves to be a mort of the month. You see, Joe Meech, the janitor at the Superman Museum, was cleaning the area in front of the Legion of Superheroes display when a bolt of lightning hit the statues and Meech somehow granting him all the powers of the Legion, every single lousy member. So after his janitor got this power, he did what I'd do. He went out to kick Superman Batman's butts. He did a fair job of it too, but the powers faded and he turned back into a janitor. He later regained the powers thanks to a meddling alien, but died in that second outing. Shame, huh? So yeah, Composite Superman, who is half Superman, half Batman, but he has all the powers of the Legion of Superheroes? That is a little bit confusing to me. Like, I don't, I don't see the connection because Superboy was part of the Legion, but not Superman, and there was no Batboy. Not even Robin was part of the Legion of Superheroes. But either way, more of the month always delivering the funny and there you have it the top 10 heroes and villains of the month well at least the ones we chose to highlight and that does it for this episode of Wizards Half. Thanks so much for joining us this time around. We always love to give you a little bit something extra here. and We hope that it has paid off. And uh, hey, some news for you just to look out for. As we have mentioned in the past, uh, Stephen is off shooting a movie. We thought episode 35 was going to be his last, but he loves issue 37 so much. He said, I gotta be on. I'm coming back one last time. So you can look forward to the return of Stephen Sapellis for issue 37. Also, 
after issue 37, we're actually going to be covering, finally, we've been hyping it, Beyond Zero Hour special issue. We're going to have Heat from the Box Office 30 podcast will be joining us for that one. He is a super duper Green Lantern fan. And of course, there was a lot going on with Green Lantern in relation to Zero Hour. So we hope that you will stay tuned for that. And of course, be sure to check in with us on social media at Wizards Comics on Twitter, at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram. And hey, if you're over on Apple Podcasts, we're actually doing pretty well in the charts there. But if you want to leave us a couple more five-star reviews, it really would help grow the Wizards community out there. Uh, Hey, until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.